Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three mistakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. This is the Falcoholic Podcast, the official podcast of the Atlanta Falcons on the SB Nation Podcast Network. I'm David Walker, you can call me DW, and this is the next part in our series of podcasts where you, the listener, will get to know our stable of writers over at thefalcoholic.com. He is a multi-time winner on the Crossfire podcast. He is a frequent guest on the Falcoholic Live and one of our expert draft writers at thefalcoholic.com. I'm talking, of course, of the one and only Eric Robinson. Eric, thanks for doing this, man. Oh, no problem. I appreciate being on here. Yeah, no, absolutely. We've got to have all you guys on and let the fans know uh, what you guys have uh, in your history as Falcons fan because uh, I think right. people forget that even though we write about the team, uh, we talk about the team, uh, every one of us is a, a lifelong fan of this team in, in some regards. So mm-hmm. let's Definitely. jump into it. Um, and, and that first question along those lines, yeah. what actually made you – a Falcons fan and, and when did that happen? I can I can narrow I'm one of those fans that can narrow down this answer to literally a specific play. Some oh, fans wow. can narrow it down to a season or a particular player. I narrow it down to a particular play and it was the uh forty six yard touchdown run by Michael Vick against the Vikings in two thousand two. Oh <laughs> that run, that particular play, as soon as he crossed the goal line, I said I'm a Falcons fan. Uh, <laughs> I always I, – I, well, you know, uh, I'm a Miami Hurricanes fan in college football as well, so I was used to seeing him, you know, at Virginia Tech, and I was yeah. always, you know, enamored with his skill set there. And then, you know, just seeing what he did for the Falcons, what he did for the city, what he did for the league, and that particular play, I, I, was, I was hooked from there on. Yeah, I don't blame you. That was uh... – it, it's, I mean, it's one of those plays that is still being shown in replays. It right. was generational. Uh, right. And seeing those two Vikings players collide. <laughs> right, right. You've never seen anything like that. I mean, the running quarterback was one thing, but you never saw a running quarterback like that, that just right. made the defenders look silly in the open field. I mean, I, I, a lot of people dub Michael Vick as, like, I guess the – the prototype or the, the the benchmark of the running quarterback, but I take it a little step further. I think Randall Cunningham was that guy that mm-hmm. set that stage for Michael Vick, and Michael Vick just took that and went to a different level. Yeah, yeah, because I remember watching Randall. He was an amazing uh, athlete, but I don't think he was ever uh, in the same uh, stratosphere as Vick, just in pure athleticism. So, No, he wasn't. Yeah. Uh, and that's saying a lot because uh, Randall could sling that ball and he could move, man. But the yeah. 
Yeah. Vic was another level. Um, very cool. So it it sounds like in, in, you know, the next question, what is one of your earliest memories of the Falcons? And that's either good or bad because obviously this team has given us uh, certainly a mixed bag over the years. You know, one of my earliest memories about the Falcons, of course, and I'm going to go a little bit further in history, was, of course, their uh, 1998 Super Bowl run. You know, that was, if you go back, like, I'm a a fan of the game as a whole. I've been watching this game as a kid since I was literally one year old. (laughs) You know, I I pay attention to a lot of things. And if you look at the Falcons and their their run, their Super Bowl run that year, that was at a point in time where literally – you kind of sort of didn't expect the team to rise from the ashes because at that point in time, you, you kept getting the blue bloods every year, the Cowboys, the Redskins, the Steelers, the Packers, the Broncos. But all of a sudden this team literally came out of nowhere. And that was for the first time in so long, a team literally came out of nowhere and made a legit Super Bowl run. Um, So that was one of my memories. I mean, I didn't become a fan because of that run, but I did, um, it, 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 it definitely caught my attention and just, you know, just how the city was uplifted because of it as well. Um, yeah. That's, that's definitely a memory that's embedded in my, in my mindset. Yeah, that was, uh, I was a fan at that point and uh, have been for a very long time. And that season was unique. Cause I, I think if I remember right, the Vikings went 15, one, 15 and one that year. Yep. Yep. And the Falcons were 14 and two and mm-hmm. were like a, a, a massive underdog. Cause the Vikings at that time looked like an unstoppable team right. uh, offensively. Right. And I, right. you know, and it was amazing in, in hindsight that the Falcons did what they did. Like you said, they, they sort of came out of nowhere, you know, Jamal Anderson had that massive season. And I mean, um, this, this was a Vikings team that had a rejuvenated Randall, rookie Randy Moss who set records. Yep. We still had Chris Carter. Chris Carter. Yep. Reed was their wide receiver three. And then uh, Robert Smith, of course, had a thousand yard season still had John Randall playing at a high level, but this team went in there and they, they handled business. Let me throw a little question to you real quick. Were you surprised that this team was not able to repeat their success after that? Uh, As a Falcons fan? No. (laughs) You knew, you knew like, okay, this is kind of sort of a fluke, but I'm just going to ride it out. Yeah. I mean, cause you know, if anyone who had watched the Falcons was used to the pattern of win one year, lose the next. Um, And, you know, obviously as you and I both know, well, it wasn't until Matt Ryan got here that we had back to back winning seasons at all. Mm -hmm. Um, Much less, you know, back to back seasons in the playoffs. So just making the playoffs, you almost, instinctively knew, yeah, we're not going to be back here next year. <laughs> okay. Right. And I, I actually, to that point, I remember the next season because I remember um, Jamal Anderson Got tearing hurt. his ACL. Yeah. Uh, and it was like, there it is. There's the, the curse there of being is. a Falcons fan. There it is. Not only that, but of course, you know, Chandler still had his, his concussion woes. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, you know, that was – that was a unique season. That was a unique season. I don't, I don't think Reeves lasted that long afterwards. Didn't he? I think he only lasted, like, what, two more seasons? Yeah, because uh, at that point, Arthur Blank stepped in, uh, bought the team, and um, started to make changes. So, um, all right. Uh, now, it's one thing to be a fan of this team, to watch the team, to watch them play, but it's another thing to choose to write about them. So, for you, when did that start? When did you decide to start writing about this team and why? I started writing about the Falcons uh, back in 2015 when I became a freelance writer. 
Um, and I started off with a particular site that I don't want to name. I think you got an <laughs> idea of who it is. We're, we're not going to speak that ill will on this show here. <laughs> but I started off with that site and, you know, I, I was enamored with, you know, just having the opportunity to write for, you know, your favorite team. I mean, you, you, you look across sports journalism as a whole, not a lot of journalists are actually able to do so. And, yeah. you know, this has been fun because, uh, of course, I learned early on, like, hey, you got to take the fan hat off when you're doing the journalism. I mean, I, I get that at sometimes, you know, you want to be, you know, you know, bogged in within the team or whatever, but that's some, as sometimes you gotta, you gotta find that neutral zone. So I found that early and, and ever since, man, I, I've always had fun writing about them. Um, even during the dreadful 28 to three. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh man. Yeah. Um, I think several of us in that season, the end of that season, rather, uh, nearly walked away from the writing about the two. You know what, DW? That that definitely crossed my mind as I was sitting in the dark <laughs> that night. <laughs> oh, many many dark things crossed my mind, man. I tell you, is this really for me? Should I really <laughs> should I really write for this team? But, uh, but yeah, I've always had fun, man, and hopefully I can turn this opportunity into actually writing for the team on their site, on their home site. Yeah. And, and, you know, that has happened uh, numerous times. Uh, one of our former writers, Andrew Hirsch, uh, obviously mm-hmm. went on to write for the Falcons for several years mm-hmm. and uh, current writer at the, the site, Will McFadden started with the Falcoholics. So um, we, we, t- we seem to be a training ground for, uh, for mothership. <laughs> unlike, that, uh, unlike that other site, man, everybody else just gets resurrected from there. And <laughs> we will not name that site. We, just uh, we will not name that site. <laughs> A complete renaissance when they when they walk into a alcoholic man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, truly. All right. So writing about this team now for over five years. Um, right. Obviously, uh, you and I both know we've we've had some good takes and we've had some bad takes. So, what is maybe one of the worst ones you look at and you're like, in hindsight, oh man, I wish I could take that one back. Oh wow. Um, whoo. You've been pretty spot on with your stuff, so this may be a I've been, I've been minor. spot on with a couple things here and there. I remember, okay, I remember going back to twenty, going back to twenty fifteen. I felt that you know the hire of Dan Quinn was, um, oh, here's one. Um, yeah, I was all on the Josh McDaniels board uh, bandwagon when it came oh. to hiring a coach. Um, I wasn't that high on Dan Quinn. Um, and I, I, I frowned at everyone that just fell in love with the idea of Rex Ryan. I'm thinking to myself, like, why would you guys want to do that <laughs> franchise? Uh, but I was on the Josh McDaniel train. I wanted him in 2015. And of course, you know, it didn't go that way. Um, but I remember going back to 2015 and I remember saying that, you know, hiring Dan Quinn, I felt like 2017 was the year that they were going to make the run, hmm. the run. And of course, you know, 2016 was the year we were like, oh, wow, what the hell is going on here? They did right. the Super Bowl. And then 2017 came and it's kind of been, you know, just steps backwards since then. Um, that along with, I was, I, I will admit, I was pretty high on actually two things. First, I was pretty high on Vic Beasley. Um, and, you weren't alone. You weren't alone. Yeah, 
Yeah, that was I definitely regret that. And this is something that I don't actually I don't actually say publicly, but I have mentioned it a few times in the in the Falcon Hall of the group chat. I was one of those that wanted Glenn Dorsey over Matt Ryan. There you go. Yeah, you were certainly not alone at the Falcoholic for that opinion. That's probably the biggest one right there. I was give me Glenn Dorsey because he was the closest thing to Warren Sapp that I've seen in, you know, at that time. And I was I, I will admit I was slightly disappointed by getting Matt Ryan. <laughs> you know I, having been someone that went to georgia tech i remember when matt ryan came into atlanta and lit us up and yeah. he he just and i i remember when we drafted him i had mixed emotions because i was still pissed about that game where he lit us up but i also remember thinking i think this guy's gonna be pretty good because he just decimated us and he made yeah. it look easy so yeah anyhow so that, that's that's probably the top right there. Me wanting Glenn Dorsey, wherever, <laughs> wherever he is, me wanting Glenn Dorsey over Matt Ryan. Yeah, he's bounced around a few places. So uh, yeah. yeah, he has. He has. I thought I saw him the other day at Home Depot. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Um, all right. Uh, flip side of that, maybe a, a take where you got some flack for it, but looking back, you were ahead of the curve. Keanu Neal. Nice. Keanu Neal. I was literally the only person that wanted Keanu Neal. Everyone else wanted. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying everyone else on the Falcon Hawk staff, but just a lot of the fan base wanted Treadwell. If you go back to that draft, they wanted Treadwell. Yep. Um, Reggie Ragland was another name that, that was popping off. Um, I, I was the only one that was on the Keanu Neal hype train. And, oh, who was the linebacker to end up in Jacksonville? Um, uh, Miles Jack. Yeah, because yeah. no one expected him to fall that far. And, right. of course, the injury issues came up, and he was there, and we passed right. on him for right. Keanu. And I thought the entire uh, Falcons Twitter was going to have a complete meltdown. Yeah. yeah. I, they, he had a private workout, I would say, about two or three weeks before the draft, and I celebrated. I said, this is it. This is the sign. They're going to get him. And he was drafted uh, 17th overall, and – you know, a lot of people are saying, who the hell is Keanu Neal? And I'm like, this guy is Cam Chancellor. He's, he's Cam Chancellor. He's that, mm. that guy, that enforcer. No one still had much high hope for him. And, you know, injuries aside, Keanu Neal has been a stud for this defense. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah that's, that's definitely one. W- Willie Sneed's ghost is still roaming around Atlanta as we speak. <laughs> Willie Sneed is still seeing – uh, 22 in his in his <laughs> nightmare. He hates the number 22. He counts from 21 to 23. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was I remember being at that game where he when uh, he hit Snead because it was the 2016 season. Yep, and mm-hmm. it was a freaky moment because the hit was so loud. I was in the 300s uh, sections. I had season tickets, and that hit was so loud mm-hmm. that. The there was a momentary like silence in the stands because people thought, oh my god, did he kill him? And right. like that was how wicked that hit was. Like literally, people just sort of stopped and like, is he all right? That was you know what that one along with the Mike Evans hit as well. Oh my god, yes. Everyone knows Mike Mike Evans is a you know behemoth. He's six five, two thirty or whatever. And that was the first time I ever seen Mike Evans just get put on his ass. And yeah. <laughs> he was clean. 
hit. Mike Evans rolled over. He had trouble leaving the sideline. He didn't yeah. know what he was. And, yeah, that was a beautiful hit. I really hope he comes back healthy this year. But I know that's a different that's a different topic uh, for a different show. But, yeah, Keanu probably my – that and Deion Jones. I, I got both of those in that draft as well. So, I was proud of that. Yeah. Um, Dion was uh, another – uh, big find, obviously. So, all right. Um, what is something that our readers or listeners may not know about you um, that's interesting, unique, different? Ooh. Oh, man. Um, does it have to be football related? No, not at all. Okay. What is one thing that readers don't know about me? Oh, Wow. Um, as a kid, <laughs> as a kid, growing up, I was a bandwagoner. I was, I, I, as a kid growing up, I became a fan of the 49ers, <laughs> the Rams during their suit, their, their one year. Um, who else? Uh, the Broncos at one point in time. Um, yeah, I was. I bounced from team to team. I never really had like a solid team. Like Atlanta, the Falcons was the was the first team I actually had that I was actually stable with. Like, okay, this is the team I'm going with right here. Like, I, as a kid growing up, I was one of those. Like, yeah, I, I rooted for whoever was hot at the time. The Cowboys didn't matter. The Packers, yeah, I was there. That was me. I was one of those people. That's uh painful, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Shameful. I know. I get um, it. Yeah, you you wouldn't be the only the first person to have done that. So I mean, in fairness, that's uh you know uh <laughs> I, I look at it with a different type of optimism, DW. I look at it as hey, I was trying to get my feet wet. I was trying to get a feel for who which team I liked. And you know, it took like ten years or so. Just you know, if you if, if fans want to judge me off that, it's fine. It's it, it's fine. I get it. I understand. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it took me a little while to finally find a team. Definitely. Yeah. Um, apparently. <laughs> All right. Um, so you are a big fan of the NFL and uh, apparently many teams uh, through your life. But uh, who is your all-time favorite player. So if we're looking at, um, you know, Eric Robinson's bedroom as a teenager, who's the guy that he gets the biggest poster of? Um, there's two guys. Um, Jerry Rice mm. um, and Lawrence Taylor. Um, oh, my oh, my God. My dad was a huge Lawrence Taylor fan. And, you know, even at, a, at an early age as a kid, you know, I found out, you know, about his actual backstory, like, you know, off the field type antics and just learning that and realizing how great he still played was amazing to me. Like, wow, this guy really, you know, he played a game and went and did coke and then came back the next morning or came at the next practice <laughs> and coke up and still got four sacks in practice. It was just amazing. Um, so, yeah, so those two were probably like like yeah those are those guys were the pinnacle of of my favorite as far as favorite players go Jerry Rice is just amazing at what he did and you know you look back at his career 
was never really the most athletic, never really the fastest, mm-hmm. never really the biggest. Um, but, you know, he was always sharp as a professional. And I, I love the story of him as a kid, you know, catching bricks. Catching bricks. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And, you know, I, I mean, I'm not going to do that. That's kind of foolish because I probably <laughs> go into the forehead. But I get it, you know, and it helped him. And, you know, he's he's still, in my opinion, the greatest receiver of all time. Yeah, he, he has records that probably will never be broken. Probably so. Probably yeah. so. Yep. With, with the way the league is now. Um, all right, last question before the break. Who is your favorite active player and why? Ooh, favorite active player. I gotta, you know what? I got to go with Julio. It, it has to be Julio. I mean, mm, good choice. That, that, guy, that guy is underappreciated, man. I don't think – I don't think he gets a lot of attention around the league per se than he deserves. Mm-hmm. I think definitely within, you know, the, the viewers of the NFL, I think a lot of them don't really give him the attention that he deserves. Like this guy is a marvel, and, you know, he's consistent, of course, you know, every time you turn around, you see, you know, DeAndre Hopkins is the best in the league or, Thomas is the best in the league. And I'm looking at both of them and I'm like, neither one of them has done anything for compared to what Julio has done, you know? Um, so yeah, he's, and, and the guy comes to work every day, you know, yeah. in, does his work, clocks out, goes home. Doesn't make any, any fuss in the media. You know, doesn't do, you know, he doesn't, uh, he, he's not, you know, smacking around his, his baby mama and stuff. And, you know, um, <laughs> Antonio Brown. Um, he's not doing anything like that. He's not giving the fans any heartache or any headaches for that matter. So definitely Julio. Yeah. And it, it, people say that and I feel like they don't appreciate just how unique that is for a player in his position because, mm-hmm. you know, some of the best wide receivers, you think about uh, Randy Moss, Terrell um, mm-hmm. Owens, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they, they uh, and Antonio Brown, those guys were great receivers, but there was a lot of drama that came along with that. Mm-hmm. And it's at a point in time as well. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, Julio just, like you said, he comes to work and gets it done and everything else is just quiet with him, man. It's amazing. Right. Um, all right. So before we dive into the rest of the questions, uh, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Today's episode is brought to you by cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. And we're back on the Falcoholic Podcast. This is David Walker. I am joined by my friend, co-writer at the site, Eric Robinson. We're talking about his life and times as a Falcons fan. Uh, so, Eric, we just talked about Julio being your favorite active player. Right. Give me your top three all-time Falcons that, uh, in your mind, are the guys that uh, you would put on your Mount Rushmore of Falcons players. I'm, I might get some some flack for this, um, but – I, I like to look at football, you know, more than just on the field. I like to look at how a particular player can impact a particular city and how they can affect 
you know, the fans of that city. And, yep. you know, Michael Vick may not be, you know, the most beloved player in Falcons history after what happened, but, you know, it it's hard for you to convince me otherwise that that guy did not truly pick that city up and literally like put them on, put that city on the map. In my opinion, even even with the 98 Super Bowl run, put that city on the map. And he gave that city um, a, a, a great sense of hope because, you know, you had the Super Bowl run, but there was nothing else after that. But when Vic came and when Vic finally got his chance to be the guy, like, you know, there was renewed, a renewed sense of hope around the city. Um, and I don't think the city actually saw that since Dion got drafted. Um, so that's why Dion is also in this, in this category for me as well. Um, because, you know, they were amazing players on the field. What they did, you know, can't be rivaled. And, and even, you know, when it comes to Dion, of course, he's still saying, you know, people are still saying he's the best, you know, corner of all time, either, yeah. you know, years of being out of the game. Um, and a lot of people are, are still saying that Vic is the greatest, you know, uh, mobile quarterback of all time. Um, yeah. But just what they did for the city. I mean, you you know, Deion Sanders getting drafted there. I mean, no one really cared about Falcons football at that point. Like even, even Falcons fans, even Atlanta natives didn't care yep. about Falcons football to that point. And the next thing you know, they had, you know, MC Hammer on the damn sideline and you got the whole field <laughs> sideline. Like it was, it was different. It was something that the city never saw before. And I think it was really because of his confidence that he brought in. Same with Michael Vick. So those two, and you know, I got to, I'm throwing Julio in there as well. Um, yeah. And just, you know, a, a, another player that really gave the franchise, really gave the city, really gave the fans something that they can hang their hat on. Like, hey, if we're going to win this year, we're going to win this year because of this guy. And Julio has always been that guy, um, in my opinion. Um, so, yeah, so those are my three top of all time. Uh, I think those are sure. fantastic, fantastic yeah. picks. Um, yeah. it's, I, I agree. I think, you know, you look at Vic, he, uh, he was a true transcendent superstar. Uh, mm-hmm. Dion, like you said, I think you have to have him in the conversation one of the three best corners of all time, if not the best. He's clearly one of the best ever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then with Julio, my God, my God, the the way this guy plays, the records he's put up. And I, I feel like because his total career is not yet over, people don't have a good feeling for just how uh, impactful he's been as a wide receiver. But this guy, uh, so far in his career, leads uh, – all wide receivers in history in yards per game. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it's like a, a stunning achievement when you think about what he has done in his short period of time. So that, that is a, that's a, that's a great top three. I don't think anyone's going to argue with that. What playmaker has the Falcons ever had on the offensive side of the ball, at least that is, you know, at the level of Julio. Like I, I get, you know, what Michael Vick did for those years, but mm-hmm. still like, you know, look at Julio's numbers and if I'm not mistaken he's like literally on the doorstep of top 10 receiving yards of all time I may have to check that again if he's not on the doorstep he's damn sure in the house yeah Um, he's right there um and he had right now I mean as of right now he has all of him career in my opinion it was just nice to have a ring but still just the fact that again 
And then, of course, what goes along with it is is the big trade to go up to get him and how much of a gamble that was and how much that gamble paid off. You know, you rarely see something like that. And I, I feel like he has to be in that conversation, in that equation. Yeah, if you're going to f- trade up and give up a uh, future first, uh, second rounder, fourth rounder, future yeah. second. He better um, be a Hall of Famer. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> he better be a Hall of Famer. And, and in the case of Julio, I think – he, he will be. I agree with you. He, he's going to be in the hall. And so if you're going to trade up for a player, that's the kind of player you trade up for. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. So a little bit of a different question now that we've talked about, you know, some of your favorite players, because, mm-hmm. you know, Atlanta as a franchise has had some interesting coaches come through um, yeah. Yeah. A, a wide variety. Uh, you know, the motivational guys like Dan Quinn, you had the, you know, the old school guys like uh, Dan Reeves. In your mind, who is one of your favorite Falcons coaches? And it doesn't even have to be like a winning coach, maybe just a coach that you loved watching uh, on the sidelines because he had big personality or, or whatever it was. I like Jerry Glanville. <laughs> um, the man in black. Yeah, I, I, I like Jerry Glanville. Um, I, you know, I, I get how everyone likes, you know, a, a coach that is professional and, and not, you know, wanting to take you know attention in the media and all that type of stuff i get it every everyone everyone loves their tony dungy type coach i understand it yeah um but glanville was different um glanville yeah he was (laughs) (laughs) bill was definitely a player's coach no doubt about it he was definitely a player's coach and i think the thing with glanville was he wanted to instill that confidence in the team and in the city at that point in time because both entities needed it, you know, and what, how can you tell a city, Hey, we're going to win some football here. If the coach is not going in that same direction. Yeah. Felt like he took that approach. He said, Hey, we're going to win some football games here and we're going to win football games our way. We're going to dress in all black. You know, we're going to, you know, have celebrities on the sideline. You know, I'm going to piss Chuck Noll off at some point. After <laughs> him grab me, you know, he did things his way and that I appreciate it. Um, and it, you know, even, even though I wasn't, you know, I was barely of age at that point in time and I wasn't really a fan of the Falcons, but you still kind of caught on to what he was doing. And some people didn't like it, but Hey, you know, at that point in time, that city and that franchise needed it. And, and that was, I think he helped set that precedent for the Falcons. Yeah. Uh, great choice. I love that. Um, all right. Falcons players. Uh, you and I have seen them in training camp uh, in, you know, during the season uh, over their careers. And it is inevitable that some players are just underrated in the minds of fans and some are just way overrated. So let's start with the first. Who is uh, one of the players you think is the most underrated by fans uh, that's been playing for the Falcons? I don't think we truly realize how much we miss John Abraham and what he brought to the table. Oh yeah. <laughs> God, no kidding. <laughs> you, I mean, you, you look at what he did and you're thinking to yourself like, Oh my God, I really wish they had a player like him right now. Yep. You know, cause he wasn't, he wasn't, you know, one of the, I guess the top pass rushers that come to mind at that point in time for some people. But again, he was consistent and he was productive and like I said, you look back at it now, man, I, and I hate to really point this out, but they haven't had anyone like that since him. Nope. 
Um, and that's a long time to not have a damn pass rusher, a consistent pass rusher. Um, so yeah, I, I think, you know, what he did, um, as a, as a Falcon in his years in Atlanta, I is definitely going unappreciated, man. Like we would love to have a guy like him on that defense right now. We, we should call him and see if he's still uh, willing to play. <laughs> oh, like we just need you to do maybe three, four snaps a game. It's, it's, it's fine. It's fine. Be- I, I think the biggest compliment you can give to a player is when the rival team hates him more than anybody. And the saints fans despised Abraham when he was here, they despised him, which yeah. is a big compliment. And, and yeah. you know, to your point. Uh, all right. Flip side of that equation. An, overrated Falcons player where maybe fans just constantly hyped him up, loved him where you were like, I just don't get it. Oh man. Um, Wow. Um, I might catch some heat for this one. Um, (laughs) (sighs) That's what we're here for. (laughs) Um, Man, that's tough. You know what? D'Angelo Hall. Ooh. Oh, I like it. Um, and some fans really love his game. They love yeah. it. They love his ability. They, they, you know, they placed him in that bucket of CB1 or shutdown corner or whatever. Because of that, that 40 time. Yeah. I, I never really saw that. In his entire career in Atlanta, I never – I don't know. Maybe I was looking at a different TV screen. I don't know. I never really saw that. I saw a mediocre quarterback. Yeah. I saw a guy that was beat more times than he should have been. I saw a guy that wasn't necessarily – he didn't show off those ball skills that he showed in Virginia Tech. I, I, I don't know. Maybe, like I said, maybe I'm looking at a different television screen. But, I, yeah, I, I don't – to me – I think, honestly, I think Trufant was better than him. Mm, yeah, Just, I'm with you. I'm with you. I, I think Trufant, and I, and to be quite honest with you, I don't think Robert Alford was that far off from him as well. <laughs> I'm just, I'm being honest. I'm really, like, I just, I don't see what it was with D'Angelo Hall. Yeah. I didn't see it. He talked a lot, but he damn sure didn't back it up. Most times he didn't, I, and I didn't understand why he didn't. But, yeah, that's, that's probably the one. Yeah. Um, excellent. Yeah. I, I think you're the first one that's answered with D'Angelo. That's, that's a great answer. Um, do you, do you agree with it slightly or? Uh, how oh you- yeah. No. Cause uh, I, I think for D'Angelo, a lot of it was the hype for him coming out because he was, mm-hmm. you know, he had that elite speed and mm-hmm. uh, you know, he was the coming- next Dion. He, everybody dubbed him as the next Dion. Yep. And, and I think a lot of people, you know, when he came out, they're talking about, oh, you know, let's, let's see him in the foot race with Michael Vick. Let's see who's yeah. the fastest. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, he had a lot of swagger, you know, he had a, a very, he was very confident, but I don't mm-hmm. think he ever lived up to it fully oh, yeah. in Atlanta. Never. Um, Never. So, yeah. I think it's a great pick. Um, <laughs> all right. Most gratifying win for the Falcons that you have personally witnessed. Um, most gratifying win. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that. Um, man, that's a good one. Jeez, there have been some good ones over the years. 
There has been. Um, and and I'm, I'm going to say the most, to me, the most gratifying win was probably the 2016 NFC Championship game. Mm. Um, it's hard to argue with that. It's hard to argue against it because not only did they win, they beat the living hell out of the Packers. I mean, yeah. that was a team that they played in the regular season and they needed, you know, a game with a touchdown from, from, uh, from Ryan to Sanu mm-hmm. game away. And they still almost lost that game. Um, but for them to come out and literally, you know, blank the Packers to a 31 nothing lead at one point early in the second half, yep. no one expected that. I mean, if, if you expected the Falcons to win, that's one thing I get it. But you didn't expect the Falcons to bully them like that, and they <laughs> took it to them. And it felt so good, DW, of course, because, you know, the, the playoffs up to that point, you know, beating Seattle the week before was like kind of sort of like getting the monkey off the back, I guess, so yeah. to speak. Yeah. Um, because their previous win over Seattle in the playoffs was was great as well. But this one felt like not only did they beat the Packers, they embarrassed the Packers. Yeah, for me, it felt like revenge for 2010 and what they did yeah. in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, it did. I can, I can see that. Yeah. It, to me, it felt more like revenge because even up to that point, man, they, they just struggled beating the Packers for some reason, whether it was in Atlanta or, or at Green Bay. You know, you go back to that, what was that, the 2015 game at Green Bay, that, that yeah. game where they almost mounted the comeback yep. um, and, they, and they fell short. But that one just felt like, to me, that was a statement game. That was more than just playing the game, playing the sport itself. They went into that game, and they beat the Packers as if they wanted to say, now is our time to beat a bully. And they did it. Um, Yeah. That was definitely gratifying. (laughs) Um, All right. Flip side of the equation. Uh, Because I'm not even going to ask you what the worst loss was. We're just going to talk about it. Um, How hard – did 28 to three hit you and, and looking back, who do you blame? If anyone, you know, maybe you don't blame anyone, but who do you blame maybe primarily for that loss? Why? (laughs) (laughs) Man. Oh my God. Cause this is part of our shared misery as fans of this team. You know, and what's funny is I, I wrote, I wrote a column about this maybe about a week or so after the game. And, you know, I literally, that was probably one of the few columns I wrote where I, I had my fan hat on and I really put like everything out there that was, you know, losing the Super Bowl is one thing losing the Super Bowl in that manner is something totally different. Mm-hmm. Um, losing the Super Bowl. Well, losing a game like that in that magnitude in front of millions is even another level in my opinion, because you know, the Falcons, you know, go back in, you know, in recent years, when they're when the spotlight is on them, they don't really do that well. Um, they, they, they're more of the team like, hey, let's not talk about them and then they'll play better. Because right. the, more <laughs> the more we hype them up, the more nervous they get and more likely we're going to, you know, face heartache at the end of the game. That was just, you know – it was it was crushing, man. I, I will, I'm not gonna lie to you. It yeah. was really crushing because you just you 
you saw a team that was capable of winning. You saw them beating a team that was, you know, a, a really solid team up and down. And they just, again, up to that point, you never really saw the Patriots get smacked around like that. Yep. Yeah, they might have lost here and there. But even even when they played Seattle the year before, you know, Seattle didn't even walk all over them like that. You, you know, now you got a team like, you know, like the Falcons who, you know, had that big lead. It was like they're, they're so close, so close. And, you know, a lot of us say it in the group chat, you know, we don't need the Falcons to win seven, eight, nine, ten Super Bowls like certain franchises. Yeah. Just give us that one. Just I think one. We'll, we'll be fine in our lifetime. We'll be fine. And we were that close, man. It 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 really it really took a lot, man. And you know, I, I say this a lot. Also, you know, the Falcons are picked on a lot in public and in the media, um, and. That was just that was man, man, that hurt, dude. It really, that really <laughs> hurt, man. Because like I said, if they lost on a game winning field goal, okay, fine, cool. They lost by three. It was a great game. They went back and forth. They were in it. But to losing in that manner, man, like you just it, it and now they can't get back. That's the thing. That's yeah. the, I would have loved it if they they got back the next year, but they can't get back now. I mean, they 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 seem to be taking those steps back now. So I mean, it, it yeah, man, it 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 sucks. As far as blame goes, you know, you the, the blame goes in a lot of places. The blame yeah. goes to Shanahan a bit, definitely. Um, the blame goes to Dan Quinn a bit, um, uh, in my opinion. Um, the blame goes to Devontae Freeman. I hate to point out a player, a particular player, but come on, man. Like, that's that's pretty obvious right there, dude. Like, you can't avoid that. You can't make up an excuse for that. That's just – that's poor. Complete whiff, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, some of the blame – you know what? I'm going to put a little bit of the blame on Robert Alford as well because he dropped oh. the interception. Oh, yeah. It went right through his hands. Sure he did. Dropped the interception. And then the next play was the, the Edelman – what – wasn't the next play to Edelman? No. Yeah. Uh, same play. Yeah. No, I think it was. The next play was the Edelman catch? Yep. I think it was. He dropped the interception. So I'm going to put a little bit of blame on him. That could have sealed it. That could have sealed it. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's it's tough, man. And and that – they can't live that down. They cannot live that down. Ask the Houston Oilers about what it's like to lose a large lead in the playoffs. And we're still talking about that yeah. 30 years later. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right. On that note, last question, because you, you sort of hinted at it. Now that free agency's done, um, the draft is done. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on the current regime for the Falcons? And that's all the way at the top, you know, from blank all the way down to the janitor. And what are your hopes <laughs> for 2020? Uh, well, for one thing, blank is a really forgiving owner, man. Yeah. No, uh, you can you can get about six or seven strikes with blank instead of <laughs> that, that guy is just he's willing to give you the benefit of the doubt most times. Um, as far as this team right here, you know, I, I'm confident that. Well, I put it to you this way: the last couple off seasons was very mundane. Um, it just it felt like they were not really making progress because they kept 
quote unquote, running it back. And, you know, us, you know, from, from our viewpoint, we kept saying, uh, guys, let's not run it back, please, because it's, it's not going to work. And they had to see that the hard way. I will at least appreciate this. This was an offseason where I said they needed to be aggressive and it needed to be arguably the most aggressive offseason in Dan Quinn and Thomas Dimitrov regime, and it probably has been. Yeah, um, that's fair. Did they make headline, you know, moves that definitely places them in the elite, you know, elite level of teams? No. Um, the girly signing was okay. I think we're hyping that up a little bit too much. Yeah because arthritic knees is nothing to play with. Um, could he still be productive and give him maybe a thousand yard season and 10 touchdowns? Sure. But if anybody's expecting him to come in here and run for 16, 17, 1800 yards and 22 touchdowns, that's not going to happen, dude. That's not going to happen. Um, getting Dante Fowler is an upgrade over Beasley, in my opinion. Um, AJ Terrell, I think he's more of a solid corner than a lot of people give him granted, give him, give him, um, than a lot of people think he can be. Um, and Marlon Davidson, you know, is, is a stick of dynamite on that defensive line. And I <laughs> having him out there as well. Um, I think the team is going to be better, definitely. This is – what they've done so far is nowhere near the roster they had last year or the year before that. It's a, it's a much more talented roster. Um, I think we also need to pay attention to the coaching that they brought in, Joe Witt Jr. Um, ah, good point. Joe Witt Jr. is a future defensive coordinator, and I'm t- he's if I'm not I would not be surprised if he's gone in three years because someone's hiring him to be a DC. He's that good. Um, nice. Raheem Morris, I think he's going to get another shot as a head coach in a couple of years. Um, so I say right now, I think with what they have on the table, as long as they stay healthy, um, I say they're a good. 10 win team at least at the very least is that 10 wins enough to get in the playoffs Whew. i don't know um there's a lot of good teams in the nfc now if you if, if if no one has paid attention there's there's a guy down in tampa bay now that um brought his way to the nfc south that we're quite familiar with um and then there's another quarterback down in new orleans that doesn't want to go away for some reason even though he's pretty dried up but uh, <laughs> yeah uh, I, I think I think they I think what they did this offseason with the, the personnel that they brought in along with the coaches along with bringing in a guy like Joe Witt Jr. along giving Raheem Morris the keys to the defense full-time I think that was enough to get them at least three wins I mean the team went seven and nine last year yeah I, I think they did enough to get them to ten and six um, if they can go a little bit further than that, great. They'll definitely have to prove it because they have a hard schedule. But I'm pretty optimistic about this team this year. I will say that. Cool. Good deal. Um, and with that, uh, Eric, thank you for participating in this interview, this Getting to Know You series. Um, why don't you tell our listeners where they can find you and what you've got going on? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at underscore Eric underscore Robinson. I will be putting together a column on um, the Falcon schedule, which is going to be released tonight. It's going to pretty much going to break down a few games here and there. Um, also check out my scouting reports on Marlon Davidson, uh, AJ Terrell and Jalen Hawkins from this year's draft. Um, yeah. And you, you'll catch me on Twitter 
tweeting myself away now because there's nothing else to do because of the damn pandemic. <laughs> as, yeah. as with many of us. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, Thank you again. Uh, guys, as for me, you can find, find me on Twitter at FalcoholicDW. And of course, uh, follow at FalcoholicPod for updates on when our podcasts drop and what's coming up. Uh, and as always, please head to thefalcoholic.com where we have new articles posting daily. So for Eric Robinson, this is David Walker. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll talk with you next time.